Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com, Ready For The Draft podcast. Today's the day, draft day. I cannot be more excited. It's finally here. All the work, all the games, all the the, the notes, the breakdowns, uh, the player evaluations, uh, it's all come down to this. And, uh, you know, I hope that, that you've enjoyed this podcast series. This is episode seven. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the journey. Um, I've enjoyed bringing all of my material to you. Um, and I don't want this to end. You know, I want to continue this podcast series. Um, you know, after after the draft's over, I'll take a look at uh, at each of the teams. You know, we'll take a look at you know how uh, how I did versus where the teams were in terms of the projections, in terms of uh, you know the the player fits. You know, what I saw as the best fits, and and really you know where the teams went, you know what directions they went. Um, give them some some grades potentially as well. Um, and then as we go into the 2018 football season, you know, I, I plan on um, before the season give you about a you know a monthly podcast leading up to the season, give you a kickoff podcast, and then uh, what I plan to do is bring a weekly podcast to you, uh, really just kind of recapping the week, taking a look at some of the players that uh, um, could be out there for the, the 2019 draft. Don't even want to think about that right now, though, because 2018 draft, uh, you know, we're we're less than 24 hours away. I mean, it's it's just it's unreal that it's finally here. Um, Cleveland Browns been on the clock for months. What is GM John Dorsey going to do? You know, what's what's interesting is um, you know all the talk has been Sam Darnold, Josh Allen. And essentially everybody's made up their mind and said that those are the two guys and that's really what they have it down to. Now suddenly the Browns have cooled their um, their enthusiasm for, for, for Sam Darnold in favor of Baker Mayfield. What changed all of a sudden? It was it the meeting that they had with Baker Mayfield and that's really what made the difference? Or is this all a smokescreen? I'm not going to buy into it, um, although... You know, I've been saying since episode one, you know, if John Dorsey wants to change the losing culture in Cleveland, they have to take Baker Mayfield. Um, but I think still the safe pick is is Sam Darnold. Um, you know, that that to me, you know, if you look at, at Sam Darnold, a lot of the deficiencies, teams are worried about the turnovers. But again, redshirt sophomore, how much experience did he really have looking at sophisticated looks? You put him in with, with Hugh Jackson, give him a year or two to develop, and I, I think you have something with Sam Darnold. This is a guy who can make plays, the improvisational skills that he has outside the pocket. Um, I, I think his um, quick release, yes, he does have an elongated delivery, but uh, he's got a quick release, though. Um you know the the ball placement and and anticipation are things that you just can't teach. You know I think you can teach the ball security. You know you don't just have an innate ability of being able to take you know hold on to the football. You know I think that can be taught, but you know the ball placement, the accuracy, you know the ability to make plays on the move, that's something that Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield have that Josh Allen you know just does not have. Josh Allen does not have that that ability to be accurate on a consistent basis. And that's what I've been emphasizing since day one. Um, I, I really like Josh Allen, the physical skills, but you know, that accuracy is a concern. And I want him to prove me wrong. You know, I want him to go out there and complete over 60% of his passes, make some throws down the football field that only he can make. Um but if you're looking at the top of the draft, to me, the only two picks are going to be Sam Darnold or, or Baker Mayfield. And uh, I think at the end of the day, you know, when you're looking at, at, at Darnold, you know, there, a lot of his deficiencies can be, um, you know, can be coached up, you know, and he's going to be in the hands of Hugh Jackson. So I think that makes a ton of sense, um, you know, with, with Cleveland there at number one overall. You know, I know that there are some some schools of thought that think that maybe Cleveland, because they're talking about Baker Mayfield as a potential number one overall pick, well, hey, maybe they, you know, they, they like Darnold, Allen, and, and Mayfield a lot. You know, and, and really there's no separation between the three. So maybe they're okay with allowing um, 
potentially two of those quarterbacks to go off the board at two and three if they take uh, Saquon Barkley number one overall. You know, let let's scrap that. You know, let's scrap that whole idea. You know, I think at the end of the day, you know, if if Saquon Barkley falls to them at number four, um, then great. You know, they they or have a chance to pick him up. But John Dorsey, you know, there was a running back by committee for the most part in in Kansas City when he was there. It wasn't until uh, you know Kareem Hunt came along late. Uh, you know, this past season. And, uh, you know, with Kareem Hunt, they picked him up in the third round. I think in, in round two, you, you know, you can pick up Sony Michelle, who could be, very well be this this year's uh, Alvin Kamara. You know, I've been hyping that up quite a bit. You know, I think Sony Michelle's hands are exceptional out of the backfield. Um, and, uh, you know, you've got Carlos Hyde already in the backfield teaming up with, with Duke Johnson. So to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you know be gunning for Saquon Barkley. You know, I think at the number four overall pick, really, you know, Cleveland's in a position of power. You know, you got two of the top four picks, and you're sitting there at number four. A ton of teams are going to be looking at you to try to trade, uh, trade up, and uh, you know, to to get that other quarterback. You know, possibly get ahead of Denver and take Josh Allen, or possibly even go after Josh Rosen. But but look, if I'm Cleveland and Bradley Chubb is sitting right there. You know, it's one thing if, if maybe the Jets or the Giants surprise people, you know, and you look at Saquon Barkley going two and Bradley Chubb going three. If that's the case, then and I'm Cleveland, yes, I'm trading out, but that's the only situation where I am trading out of that number four pick. Because if I've got Bradley Chubb sitting there, I am taking the best defensive prospect in the draft, and I am pairing him with Miles Garrett. You, know, you want to talk about a formidable duo coming off the edge, quarterbacks, better watch out, you know, and you've got Greg Williams, you know, aggressive style of defense, you know, he'll, uh, he'll be doing cartwheels and, and backflips in the, uh, in the war room. I can guarantee you that if, uh, if Bradley Chubb's available there. So Cleveland, I think they can definitely help themselves, uh, immensely just looking at, uh, you know, those, those first, first couple of picks, and then, like I said, Sony Michelle potentially in, in round two, you know, at the top, that would make a lot of sense. Getting the, the running back that they, that they need, you know, uh, another versatile running back, you know, Sony Michelle, he's used to playing in a, in a, you know, a, a running back by committee. You know, he was the, the lightning to, to Nick Chubb's thunder with, with Georgia. So he doesn't have as many miles on his legs as maybe some of the other backs in this draft. Um, and then, you know, the, the Browns have another pick at 35, you know, and I think that's where they're going to ultimately find the replacement for Joe Thomas. Um, I've been talking about Jerron Christman, uh, Christian out of out of Louisville. You know, he's 6'5", uh, 300 pounds, junior, three-year starter, played on both sides, tremendous length. Um, I think he's a guy who, if you're not sold on him at, at left tackle right away, maybe you want to play Sean Coleman over there um, to start out. You can put Christian at right tackle, but I think he has the versatility to move uh, over to left tackle down the road. Uh, but I think he has the the starter potential on uh, the left side as well. So Cleveland, you know, you, you can address, you know, quarterback, running back, defensive end, offensive tackle with your first four picks. I mean, those are major needs, and I, I think if John Dorsey is able to do that, you know, that's a that's an A draft in my book right there. New York Giants sitting there at number two. You know, I've got Saquon Barkley penciled in right there. You know, I've heard a lot of people, and there's a there's a school of thought that if you get a chance to take a quarterback, you know, you do it. You know, and so you've got Eli Manning sitting there. You know, everyone talked about how he was disrespected, you know, a season ago being pulled. You know, when he had that consecutive start streak. Um, you know, he is 37 years of age, and you know, it's one of those things to where, you know, how many years does he have left in the tank? You know, the Giants don't know what they have yet, really, in, in Davis Webb. You know, what what did he really show um, in, in camp? Um, you know, we really don't know that the answer to that either. You know, could you take, you know, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold if he fell? Um, absolutely, you could do that. But, you know, I, I think, you know, if I'm Dave Gettleman and I'm looking at this, you know, if I want a chance to win right away, um, you know, Sure, you could get it back in round two, and you know I actually had a, a previous mock where I actually have Rashad Penny going off the board to the Giants in round three, um, so it is possible. But I just think that 
you know, the uh, running back taken in the first round. You know, we've seen Todd Gurley with with Jared Goff, what he's been able to do. Ezekiel Elliott, you know, in, in Dallas, look at what he did as a, as a rookie for Dak Prescott. And then when Ezekiel, you know, when, when Zeke was out and, and it was just Dak, Dak looked very, very average. Having that running game, you know, was was key, um, you know, to, to his success as well. Even Leonard Fournette, you know, he came into to Jacksonville and I thought he took some pressure off of Blake Bortles as well. Blake Bortles wasn't out there really having to do it on his own. He had that running game there with him. I think for Eli Manning, he has... Uh, OBJ coming back. He has Sterling Shepard coming back. You know, so there are some weapons there for the receivers, you know, and he's got Evan Ingram at tight end. Get the running back, get Saquon Barkley in there. And then with Saquon, what you're able to do is, you know, you have that back, you know, being able to catch the football out of the backfield as well. Um, Yet another weapon for, for Eli. I think the Giants then in round two could be sitting there looking at one of the top guards or, or centers in the, in the draft in uh, in Billy Price. You know, Billy, you know, has the ability to to play both guard and center. Um, you know, had over over 50 consecutive starts for the Buckeyes and uh, I think he could be someone that can come in and just really plug and play, you know, wherever you need the hole whether it's going to be at center, could it be at right guard, um, just plug him in and, and let him go. You know, so I, I think, you know, that's that's what the you know, what the Giants could be looking at. Because then in round three, you know, I've got them projected to, uh, let's see, got the Giants um, projected to go after Obo Okoronkwo um, of Oklahoma, um, get a pass rusher coming off the edge. You know, if they if they don't land Bradley Chubb in round one, then uh, that's going to be their guy. I think you can get him in round three. And, uh, you know, I think that would be a successful draft for uh, for the Giants. You know, and really, you know, if you think about it, you know, Kyle Laletta could be there in round three. And uh, if you're not sold on, on Davis Webb, you could still pick up Kyle Laletta as a sleeper in round three and uh, still get Saquon Barkley. So I think that would be a nice nice pickup there for, for the Giants. Um, at number three, you know, the Baker Mayfield going to the Jets. Um, you know, I, I think you get... Uh, get, you know, the, the, the charisma, the fiery nature, um, you know, you get your Broadway Joe. And I think that's, that's one of the things that, uh, I think the Jets would be loving, you know, the Jet fans would love to see Baker Mayfield to me is the number one quarterback in the draft. I've said this from day one. Um, and, uh, he, he's somebody who, you know, I've, I've heard people say, well, he, he, he whittled, you know, he just kind of disappeared, um, in the, or I'm sorry, not whittled, but wilted, um, against that Georgia defense in the second half. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I thought was so impressive about Baker is not only his accuracy within the pocket and, you know, a clear, you know, clean pocket, but also under duress, being able to roll out of the, outside the pocket, keep his eyes down the field, the ball placement, the, the excellent uh, arm strength, the accuracy. You know, it's not just short passes in that OU uh, passing attack. Baker was making throws down the football field and, you know, that personality is infectious. You know, if you don't, don't want to believe it, you know, just watch what Brett Favre did for Green Bay, you know, that attitude, that swagger, you know, and then, you know, he's, he's out there just that, that, uh, playfulness, you know, just the waving of arms, just running around, having a great time. You can tell that the passion and the love of the game, you know, to me that rubs off on his teammates, his teammates would run through a brick wall for him. Um, you know, and all, you know, it really fires the team up. I think he's the guy there for the Jets um, at number three. If he doesn't go number one, still have to throw that in there. I still think there's a chance, but uh, you know, I, I think Baker, you know, and, and the attitude. You know, can we just stop with all of these off-field issues or the character concerns? Can we just stop now with Baker Mayfield? I think he's misunderstood more than anything else. You know, I've never seen anything outside of the one incident with the with the officers and the um, public intoxication resisting arrest. Um, you know, which, by the way, you know, lots of, of college kids, unfortunately, um, get arrested for, for public intoxication. So it's not anything that uh, you don't see on college campuses. But, you know, everything else 
between those lines, you know, it shows a, a fiery competitor, you know, that planting of the flag, the, the crotch grab, you know, does he say different things? You know, the, the brashness, sure. You know, he, there, there is some brashness. There is some, some uh, borderline cockiness, but uh, I think you need to have that a little bit. You know, you look at Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen, you know, people are talking about him being outspoken. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, the confidence that he has, you know, he's looking at it, um, you know, I, it, it, at the end of the day, for me, I look at Baker Mayfield and, you know, the, just the passion for, for which he plays. I think he's an excellent teammate and uh, I think he make the Jets better. So I'll end the conversation there, um, you know, about about personality and, and such. It's just it's one of those things to where I hear all these character concerns and where do they really even come from? You know, like I said, you know, in, in previous episodes, I live in Oklahoma City. I've got, you know, had the pleasure of being able to watch Baker, you know, game in and game out from the time that he came to Norman from Lubbock. And, uh, you know, I, he's he's made me a Sooner fan. You know, I, I went to USC, um, you know, in, in Southern California. And, uh, you know, I'm a transplant here in Oklahoma City. And, uh, you know, he, he made me a Sooner fan. You know, my, my wife is... Uh, a graduate of, of OU and uh, you know, I was felt like I was dragged to the games and uh, Baker really made me a, a, a fan of, of OU as a result. Um, but speaking, you know, just objectively watching him play um, there's, there's really nobody that uh, in this draft that, you know, has the um, you know, some of those, the, the accuracy um, both inside and outside of the pocket and under duress that, uh, that Baker Mayfield has. So Denver Broncos are sitting there at five. They're watching all of this happen and transpire. Do they go with a quarterback? You know, I think if Bradley Chubb falls, you know, you could pair him with, with Vaughn Miller. If Saquon Barkley falls, um, then obviously, you know, you replace CJ Anderson who was cut, but, uh, do you really go, uh, Quentin Nelson there in round two? I just don't see that happening. Yes, you have Case Keenum, but is Case Keenum really going to be the long-term solution? You know, one of the things with with Case Keenum is, you know, this was a career year for him. You know, 2017 was a career year. Can he duplicate that, or is this, you know, the the best that you have? And that's really something that John Elway has to decide. And really, when you're looking behind him, you know, when you you're looking at Paxton Lynch, he's been a bust to this point. You know, I think bringing in Josh Allen, it'll be healthy competition. And uh, you know, John Elway, you know, there's no no secret that he's he's been following Josh Allen every step of the way. He was at the Idaho Potato Bowl. He was at um, at, at at the Senior Bowl because the, um, the 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 Broncos were there coaching the North North Squad. Um, he was at the Combine. He was at his pro day in for workouts. So there's no no question that he's um, you know, been scouting, you know, Josh Allen since, uh, since December. So, you know, I think that would make a whole lot of sense. Um, in round two, Denver looking potentially, you know, Rasheem Green, um, a defensive end, you know, that you've got, um, Derek Wolf, who's coming off of, uh, neck surgery. Is he going to be healthy? I hope he is. Um, you know, but I think Rasheem Green would be a you know a good three technique to pair up with with Derek Wolf, and then uh, Deion Kane uh, out of Clemson could give them a vertical threat there in in the third round. I think he's very athletic, but I just think you know there there's still some rawness to him, so I think you're going to see him fall a little bit. So we get through to the Colts at number six, and I think that's really where things get interesting, you know, if they haven't already gotten interesting enough, you know, I, I think the Colts at number six, you know, does, does Chris Ballard, um, you know, start answering some phone calls for people that are looking to trade up to get Josh, uh, Josh Rosen. Um, you know, I, I think it's entirely possible. The bills, you know, Miami, you know, Arizona, you know, there are three teams right there that could potentially be looking to trade up with the Colts. If I'm if I'm Chris Ballard though I'm looking for the Bills to call, you know, I want that 12 and 22nd overall pick because then I can address both the pass rush and my offensive line with those two selections. You know I, I think you know you're looking at uh, either um, Harold Landry or um, Marcus Davenport with the 12th overall pick, 
And then, you know, at 22, I can get Will Hernandez and get some, some nastiness up front. Um, but if you stay put at number six, then obviously the guy's got to be Quentin Nelson. You know, he's, he's a guy who can come in day one, be a starter for you, be a mainstay for a decade, probably end up being a pro bowler, um, potentially in his rookie year. I think he's that good. Um, he's, he's physical at the point, um, body slamming, uh, defenders as they're coming through on stunts. Um, I think he's just the total, the, the total package there as a guard, you know, he can pull, get out in front of traffic. Um, he's, he's really a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, the Colts, you know, continuing, you know, if they stockpile picks, they can get, you know, address their secondary, you know, potentially, uh, Isaiah Oliver in round two. Um, you know, if DJ Moore happens to fall to the second round, you can get another receiver to pair with, uh, with, with T.Y. Hilton. Um, so the Colts have a lot of options and, uh, you know, that number six pick, you know, they can, uh, really ask for a King's ransom at this point. Um, you know, to, to really get somebody looking to trade up for one of those quarterbacks. I've got Tampa at number seven. Denzel Ward uh, is still penciled in as my starter there uh, at the cornerback position. He's the top corner in the draft. And, uh, you know, I, I think it makes sense. You know, you need to find an ultimate, you know, ultimately replace um, Brent Grimes. And, uh, you know, I, look, you know, at the end of the day, um, Brent Grimes was the only only corner. Let's see. Yeah, he's 34 years of age. So, you know, he was en- entering the final year of his contract. He was the only cornerback um, a-, a season ago that that made any uh, made any plays on the football. Three picks. You know, so he was the only only cornerback to make any plays. I think Vernon Hargraves has largely been a disappointment. Um, so, you know, why not go there? You know, I, I think you know Derwin James is also a possibility. You know, he's a safety there. At, you know, um, Florida State in-state product. Um, you know, I think he would replace you know the Chris Conti and and Keith Tandy duo. Um, I think he paired nicely with with Justin Evans, who could be the uh, the free safety, allowing uh, James to really be that that big hitter. Um, you know, especially since the T.J. Ward experiment just didn't really work out. You know, and if Denzel Ward is still on the board, um, I think he he comes off the board at number nine. Um, I think that's one of the that's the place that I see him going. You know, the 49ers are going to need a corner. Um, you know, Kella Witherspoon is a is a starter. But uh, Richard Sherman, the questions about returning off of that uh, the torn Achilles. So I think Denzel, you know, he's coming off the board at number nine if he doesn't go to seven to uh, if he doesn't go number seven overall uh, to the Bucks. And then you know what happens to Mika Fitzpatrick, who I have going number nine to the 49ers? Well, he falls to number eleven to Miami. You know, at that point, um, you know, I think you know Miami needs a center fielder um, to pair with. Um, Rashad Jones and uh, T.J. McDonald, who are virtually the same player playing around the the line of scrimmage. You know they're in the box safeties. You get your center fielder. Um, so what does that do then to Vita Vea? I think Vita Vea then falls to Washington, number thirteen. Um, they get their their interior run stuffer, and uh, you know I think that's really how things play out. So you know, and really if that happens, then you know. Um, you know, I, I think the rest of, of my mock draft actually kind of stays intact. So hopefully, you know, if that does happen with a change there at number seven, if, if Derwin James does come off the board, that, uh, you know, you see Ward to, to the 49ers, Minka to, to the Dolphins, and then uh, Vita Vea there to the Skins. Uh, number eight, the Bears. You know, you could go guard. You could go corner potentially. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, you got to go Roquan Smith here, you know, inside backer, best linebacker, um, you know, inside linebacker in this draft, you know, and, you know, he's someone who can come in and start right away, be, be the leader of the defense. That to me makes a ton of sense. You know, the, the bears, um, are lacking that presence on, you know, the inside, 
inside of their defense. You know, Danny Trevathan, Nick uh, Kwiatkowski, just not athletic enough to to play in the passing game. You know, if you want your guard, you know, in Chicago, day two, you got Isaiah Wynn sitting right there. You'll be able to, you know, likely snatch him up with the 39th overall pick. Isaiah Wynn out of Georgia, the, you know, he played tackle for, for Georgia, but, you know, because of his lack of ideal length, he's going to end up kicking inside to guard. Um, so I think that that has to be um, the, the play for, for Chicago. That just, to me, makes the most sense. Um, so we've talked about the 49ers a bit. So we're going to move on to number 10 and uh, the Raiders. You know, I think the Raiders could be another landing spot potentially for Denzel Ward. But I think, you know, if you have the chances to get an uh, athletic linebacker like Tremaine Edmonds, you take him. You know, he's only 19, but, you know, he's 6'5", 253 pounds, excellent length, um, can run, you know, sideline to sideline, has that speed. He's somebody to me that, uh, you know, why wouldn't Gruden want him? You know, John, John Gruden back at the, at the helm, why wouldn't he want uh, an athletic uh, player like that playing on the outside? Um, I think it's kind of a no-brainer for me. You know, he has the versatility to even kick into inside. You know, and they need they need help there on the interior of the uh, um, of the de- defense, so he could potentially be an inside backer as well. Um, I think in round two, Raiders could be looking at uh, Maurice Hurst to to pair with uh, Justin Ellis. You know, I think that would be make a lot of sense um, potentially. You know, if they don't go there in round two, then in round three. Uh, PJ Hall is someone who I really like. I think he's someone who um, has the the potential to be another Geno Atkins. And I actually started hearing comparisons to Aaron Donald, which I would agree. You know, he has that that very quick burst. Off. You know, he's not the tallest guy. He's six foot ish, three hundred and ten pounds. Um, played at, at Sam Houston State. 86 and a half tackles for loss, 42 sacks in his career, just a, a playmaker, quick burst off the ball, speed to power, drives his man back into the backfield, just wreaks havoc in opposing backfields. He's very active too, nearly 300 tackles. I think he'd be great for the Raiders. Um, I think he's another guy, you know, he another landing spot could be the Lions. You know, the Lions need somebody next to Sean Robinson. I think that would make a ton of sense. Um, you know, and he's someone that could climb up to round two, um, as is... Uh, you know, Nathan Shepard, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little off topic, but you know, Nathan Shepard out of Fort Hayes state, another guy that I really like from a small school, um, six, five, 315 pounds, ran a sub five forty. you know, just a tremendous athlete. Um, you know, I think he's 25 or 26 when the season begins. Um, but I think he's a guy who just the, ath- you know, just an, a tremendous athlete. And, uh, you know, I think he's someone who could either play a three technique or potentially uh, kick in and play in a 4-3 at the defensive tackle position. Um, if he plays the 3-4, I think Arizona snatch him up. You know, he can potentially be another Calais Campbell. So the Dolphins, sitting there at number 11, you know, what do they do? You know, um, does Adam Gase potentially look at Lamar Jackson? You know, do they try to trade up and, and look for, for Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield? Um you know, it's really kind of see how this plays out. You know, I, I have them taking Vita Vea at number 11 because I think they need someone to ultimately replace Indomitian Sioux. And uh, Vea is, is he's just a mammoth, huge individual. And, uh, you know, someone who can affect both the pass and the run. So I, I, I still think that that's a good, good slot for him. Now the Bills, 12th overall uh, right now. Um, you know, there's a chance that Josh Rosen could fall there. Nah, not likely. You know, the Bills probably would have to trade up to get Josh, uh, Josh Rosen. You know, could they sit there and, and see if they can get Lamar Jackson? Do they trade, a, you know, above Miami to make sure that they get, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson? You know, that's something that I think is going to be interesting to, to really see on draft day. You know, what these teams do to try to get a quarterback. Um I think Josh Rosen would be a nice fit with the Bills. Um, you know, I don't think that AJ McCarron is the long-term answer. You know, the Bills. You know, they, they need to to hit a home run with with a first-round quarterback. You know, their last two were were EJ Manuel in 2013 and JP Lossman in uh, in 2004, both major busts. 
you know, and, and yes, they signed, you know, AJ McCarron, but, uh, you know, if you look at his stats, you know, he completed 64, uh, 66% of his passes, uh, let's see, 854 yards, uh, six touchdowns in, let's see, six touchdowns, just two interceptions filling in for Andy Dalton. But, you know, it's not the most impressive body of work overall because really he put together that seven-game stretch, and that's really the majority of, um, you know, of his production there in his four years in Cincinnati. You know, are you really going to put the future of your franchise, you know, in, in those hands? I think he's really just a stopgap right now. Um, you know, Josh Rosen's going to end up being that guy. Um, you know, the Bills, if they stay at 22, you know, they somehow figure out a way to – uh, to trade up without giving getting rid of 22, I don't think that's going to happen. But you know, you've got Leighton Vander Esch sitting there um, as a potential option. But if I'm the Bills, you know, at the end of the day, you're probably going to be trading you know, both of the both the uh, both first rounders uh, to trade up, and I think you're probably going to get a couple of other uh, you know day two picks. You know, you're going to have to give those up. Um, hi, Bella, my black lab. Uh, Bella just just walked into the room and uh, I think she was shaking her head and wanted to say hi. Um, talked about the skins at 13. Um, you know, Derwin James to me still makes a lot of sense. They're, they're, they've been lacking that physical presence ever since Sean Taylor. Um, they need a physical presence back there, and I think Derwin James would remind uh, Redskin fans a lot of uh, of number 21. You know, Green Bay Packers at 14. Um, Marcus Davenport to me right now is the guy, you know, what do you do with Clay Matthews? Um, you know, he's just not the same player that he was a few years ago. You know, he's, he's racked up 80 sacks in his career, but he hasn't hit double digit sacks since 2014. Um, you know, he's now he's in a contract year and the guy opposite him, Nick Perry's only hit double digit sacks once. And that was in 2016, um, hasn't been able to play a full season yet. Um, so I think, you know, with Mike Pettin's defense, you know, being able to switch from a from a three four to a four three, you know, Marcus Davenport can rush the co- the quarterback both as a stand up um, stand up rusher and with his hand in the ground. You know, he he's somebody who who's been rising up draft boards. Why not take uh, Marcus Davenport here? Um, you know, Brian Balaga's health is a huge concern. So, you know, there's there's a chance that Mike McGlinchey could come off the board here. Um, but I think 14 would be a little too high. I think Green Bay would have to trade down um, in order to, to do that. You know, I saw Bleacher Report um, note that the Packers may be looking to trade up to get some elite talent. Um, but I think you could stay at 14 if you can get Marcus Davenport. You still have a guy with a ton of potential. Um, and you know, if you can tap into that, you know, I think you might really have a player um, you know, reminds you a lot of Ziggy Ansa with that, that meteoric rise um, throughout the draft process. 15 is the, the Arizona Cardinals. I've got Lamar Jackson sitting right there. Um, you know, really, what are the cards going to do? You know, they have Sam Bradford and, and Mike Glennon. You know, those, you know, don't, th- that kind of worries me in terms of their long term potential there. Um, they're going to need to get a quarterback of the future. A lot of you know people are talking about Lamar Jackson not being able to get things done at the next level. You know he he throws the ball and and you know just kind of guesses. But you know I I'll tell you you know one of the things that I've seen is the development from his freshman year to his junior year. He's made meteor you know just the leaps and bounds that that he's made that development. Um, you know freshman year didn't even really know the playbook because you know he came from an offense that never had a playbook in high school. Um, with, you know, as a sophomore, won the Heisman Trophy, but, you know, as a, as a junior, he started looking like a quarterback. You know, he started anticipate, you know, throwing with anticipation, um, ball placement, um, hitting his receivers in stride. Um, yes, there were a lot of throws that were behind, you know, and just misfires. Um, wasn't always on the same page with a lot of his receivers. Um, so there is time, you know, there's going to be time for him to develop. They've got two quarterbacks that are sitting in there in Arizona. Um, you know, if Bradford can stay healthy, you know, that, that's a huge question mark right now. You know, can Mike Lennon, you know, as a backup, if he has to step in, is he going to be able to to produce? Um, but Lamar Jackson, at the end of the day, you know, he, he's a quarterback. And I've been saying he could be the next Mike Vick, um, you know, with the way that he's able to make plays with his legs and, and has that cannon for an arm. 
Baltimore Ravens sitting there at 16. I think a lot of people have said that the Ravens are going to take a court or a wide receiver here, but uh, you've already seen the Ravens uh, pick up three receivers in this offseason. You know, they lost uh, Mike Wallace and, and, and Jeremy Macklin, but they picked up uh, Michael Crabtree, John Brown, and most recently uh, Willie Sneed. There's a chance, you know, Des Bryant can come off the board here. You know, I actually have the Ravens taking uh, Christian Kirk uh, in the second round, get a speed demon on the outside to replace uh, Mike Wallace. Um, you know, it can also help in the return game as well. Um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, Mike McGlinchey makes a ton of sense. You know, at, at right tackle, Austin Howard, um, you know, is is no longer there. Um, you can reunite him with with Ronnie Stanley. Um, give some bookends for for Joe Flacco. You know, Joe Flacco is 33 years of age, by the way. Um, he's still under contract until two, uh, 2021, but his uh, production has declined sharply. So I think what you need to do is, you know, still focus on getting him some, um, you know, block, you know, some some blockers up front. Get him some weapons on day two, and uh, you know, don't be surprised if you see maybe Chase Litton of of uh, of Marshall come off the board, probably around five around five ish. Um, to ultimately uh, back up uh, Joe Flacco there in, in Baltimore. 17, uh, the, you know, the the Los Angeles Chargers, I've been pretty consistent here. I think they need, um, you know, a, a nose tackle, Brandon Meebane, 33 years of age, entering the last year of his contract. Um, you know, they, they have the pass rushers. They have Joey Bosa. They have Melvin Ingram. But they need someone who can really um, – you know, hold it down in the middle. Plus, three technique. Uh, Corey Legette, you know, is uh, you know uh, suspended four games for violating the NFL's policy on performance-enhancing drugs. I think uh, Deron Payne out of Alabama. He can play the nose tackle position, um, but can also kick over. Has some traits, uh, you know, to be that that three technique as well. Um, you know, he can move over, um, play the three technique, and ultimately um, be the nose tackle of the future for the Chargers. Um, Seattle sitting there at 18, you know, Josh, Josh Jackson, you know, of, of, uh, Iowa. I have him coming off the board here. Um, you know, Legion of boom, you know, you, you look at that, uh, Legion of boom is, is kind of pretty much gone, you know, and disappeared at this point. Um, so they need, they need another corner out there to pair with, with Shaquille Griffin. Um, Josh Jackson, is he a one, one year wonder, you know, I think there are some concerns there, but to me, you know, Josh Jackson offers some playmaking ability, um, shows the ball skills. I mean, eight interceptions and 26 total passes defended. You know, that that really jumps off off uh, off the page at you. And NFL.com, I've, I've talked about this stat a couple of times, but you know, I, I can't get enough of it. NFL.com completion rate of just 47.1%, made a play on 25.7% of his passes thrown his way. Didn't allow a single touchdown after week four. You know, to me, you know, that, that sounds like a guy that Pete Carroll could use out on the outside. Um, you know, something else to think about, you know, the the, the Seahawks gave up 40, 43 sacks a season ago. Um, they need to address that offensive line. Um, Connor Williams, um, you know, if you remember, James Carpenter was a, a first-round pick of Seattle a few years ago. And uh, he had the versatility to play both tackle and guard. So don't rule out Connor Williams if you're looking for a surprise pick. Seattle likes to go with some of those those surprise picks that fit their system. Um, so don't be surprised if you see that happen. Dallas at 19, Calvin Ridley. You know, Des Bryant's gone. I think I had Leighton Vanderesh penciled in here for a while. And then Des Bryant gets cut. You know, you need a receiver. You need that number one receiver. Calvin Ridley makes sense. He's the number one wideout on everybody's board. Um, so I think Calvin Ridley goes goes off the board to Dallas. You know, I, I think Dallas could then address their pass rush in, in round two, take Arden Key out of LSU. Um, and then um, round three, Josie Jewell. Gosh, I think that would be a great pick for them. Have him play the mic and, uh, you know, have him in the middle with uh, Jalen Smith and uh, Sean Lee on either side of him. I think that'd be a, a nice linebacking core there for the Cowboys. Um, the lions at 20. Um, I, I, I don't see them taking a running back here. You know, if Harold Landry is sitting here, you know, someone to pair with, with Ziggy Ansa, 
you know, that, that's a couple of explosive pass rushers off the ball. You know, Harold Landry was coached by Paul Pasqualoni the last couple of years. Um, and uh, Paul Pasqualoni is now the, the defensive coordinator there in Detroit. Um, so I think there'd be some familiar familiarity there. Um, you know, you can get your running back in round two, Ronald Jones out of USC. And then, like I said, PJ Hall, you know, as a round three defensive tackle um, would be nice pairing up with uh, a Sean Robinson. So 21 Cincinnati Bengals, you know, I've had this guy penciled in here pretty much consistently all the way through Connor Williams um, can play tackle, um, you know, opposite uh, Cordy Glenn. He could also kick inside and play guard can potentially be the right guard uh, as well. Um, So, the, the versatility there, he's somebody that I could see, um, you know, pro football focus, you know, noted that in nine, uh, 956 sacks, you know, Connor Williams gave up just one sack and three total uh, quarterback pressures. So when you think about, about that, you know, everyone talks about his lack of ideal length, um, but he's a tremendous athlete, showed some explosiveness, you know, the top offensive tackle or top offensive lineman with a 34 inch vertical leap at the combine. Um, you know, and he, he ran a, a respectable, uh, five Oh five forty with a one, seven, six, 10 yard split. So he's a tremendous athlete. Um, you know, I, I don't know why people are, are down on him. He, remember going into the 2017 season. Yes. Hello, Figaro. My, my, uh, my wife and I, you know, our silver lab, she's, uh, come in to say hello now. Um, but I don't know why people are, are so down on Connor Williams. I think he's a guy who can definitely go off the board, number 21 overall to Cincinnati. Um, then since he could, could look at a linebacker, um, you know, later on in the draft, um, potentially uh, you know, Malik Jefferson there in round three uh, to replace uh, Fontes Perfect. You know, uh, let's see. We've talked about the Bills at 22, possibly trading out of that pick. Um, and if it's the Colts, then I think you know Will Hernandez will make a ton of sense on the offensive line. Uh, the Patriots at 23. You know if um, Leighton Vander Esch is still there on the board, I think he makes a ton of sense. Um, you know I think the instincts and the ability to play both you know against the run and uh, in in coverage, 129 total tackles. You know I think he makes sense there. Um, if he's off the board, then I think you have to go Rashawn Evans out of Alabama. Um, you know. They, they took another Bama linebacker, played him all over the line, and, and Dante Hightower. Um, you know, Rashawn Evans also plays outside, um, can get after the quarterback, show that he can bend off the edge. I think the Patriots, you know, sitting there at 23, you know, they, they have to go, go, go inside linebacker, take your tackle to replace Nate Solder in the first round, then start thinking about a quarterback to eventually replace Tom Brady. Right now you just have Brian Hoyer on the roster. You need that quarterback of the future. Um, you know, Mason Rudolph, you know, of Oklahoma state, I think is, is a guy to target. There have been talks that maybe they'll trade up for Lamar Jackson. Maybe they'll trade up for Josh, uh, Josh Rosen. At the end of the day, you're looking at the Patriot, you know, defense, you know, and, and there's some holes on offense. You know, you, you have to, um, you know, take care of, of, of what you got there at home. And, you know, if you're able to pick up, you know, um, Mason Rudolph in round two, Kyle Loletta in round three, both of those guys make sense. You know, I just don't see Bill Belichick packaging picks and trading up. 24 overall, Carolina Panthers. I made a change to my mock draft, and I actually have Jair Alexander out of Louisville. Um, I've had Mike Evan, or excuse me, Mike Hughes penciled in here for a while, but Jair Alexander, you know, he, he ran a 4-3-8-40 at the Combine, and I think I was kind of, you know, a little harsh on, on Alexander because, you know, his, his film as a sophomore 2016, you know, he picked off five passes, broke up another nine, um, you know, showed, you know, that he was, you know, able to, to high point footballs, you know, does a good job reading the quarterback's eyes, breaks quickly on the ball to undercut routes. You know, I think he does a great job um, playing the, the receiver's hands to affect the catch as well. Um, you know, so... I was harsh on him, you know, because the 2017 tape isn't as good as the 2016, but, you know, he was, he was battling injuries for, for the majority of the 2017 season. And, uh, you know, so I, I think that's one of the things that, you know, uh, you know, really affected a lot of his tape. If, if you really trust it, you know, you know, a guy playing with a sprained knee and a broken hand. Yeah. He, he's not always going to be able to put a, you know, put the best film together. 
Um, but I think when he's healthy, you know, he showed that four three eight forty. He's back to being a hundred percent, and so you would anticipate him, you know, returning to his two thousand sixteen form. Um, you know, if you're going to play in a league, I've said this before. You know, you, you're playing in a conference or a division with Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Jameis Winston. Get a cornerback. I think uh, Jair Alexander can come in and start right away opposite uh, James Bradbury. You know, a lot of people have Carolina projected to take a receiver. You know, I think you can get a receiver on day two to potentially be a number one. Um, you know, anyone from DJ Chark to Cortland Sutton. Um, you know, I think Cortland Sutton might be the guy for them. You know, if, if he happens to fall, you know, I think Cortland Sutton may get hit with the same uh, Juju Smith-Schuster uh, syndrome. You know, the bigger receiver, you know, he, he he's not all that fast. Still runs a four five four forty. I didn't see him all that physical. Didn't see him separate a ton. I saw him separate, you know, um, late on a lot of passes. Saw him, you know, with excellent body control, making the acrobatic catch. Um, you know, adjust well to to the back shoulder fade. Um, was a terror in the red zone. To me, Cortland Sutton should be a first round pick. I think he's going to fall to round two. And I think whoever picks him up um, is going to be happy with what they get. And uh, Carolina might be the team that ends up snatching him up on day two. Um, at 25, Tennessee Titans. I still have James Daniels penciled in here, um, the center out of Iowa. If, again, you know, Leighton Van Der Esch goes to the Patriots at 23, then falling to 25 will be Rashawn Evans. But uh, what Tennessee will be getting in, in James Daniels is, is a guy who can play both center and guard. So it, you know, converting to that zone blocking scheme isn't going to be an issue for him because that's what they played in Iowa. Um, but can Ben Jones at center or uh, right guard Quentin Spain, can, can they really adjust to the system? If they can't, then you got James, James Daniels who could uh, step in and replace either one of those guys. I think in round two, you look for a defense or uh, an outside linebacker to uh, rush the passer. Um, you know, Brian Arakpo, De- Derek Morgan, both free agents at the end of the year. Uchenna Nwosu out of USC um, does a good job, you know, um, with, with his burst off the ball, times the snap count very well. Uh, does get called off sides a few times, but, uh, you know, has a good burst. You know, works well to the quarterback, uses his hands very well. That's something that a lot of the USC. Uh, edge rushers are able to do, but I think what sets him apart is not only you know the, the the sacks, but his ability to really you know read the quarterback, understand the play, and be able to to get his hands up in the passing lane. Thirteen pass breakups as an outside linebacker, um, edge rusher coming off the edge. That just means that you know you've got excellent timing and, and really good awareness to understand you know the you know where the play is going. You know, being able to understand, all right, I'm not going to get to the quarterback, but I can still affect the play by getting my hands up into the passing lane. He's somebody who I think is underrated, um, but he's, he'll go off in the second round. And I think Tennessee, um, you know, I think it'd be a great pick if they took him there on uh, on day two. So the Atlanta Falcons at 26. I've been consistent. I'm looking at my mock. Um, looks like I only had one deviation. Um, but I think for the most part, I've been pretty consistent with Taven Bryan out of, out of Florida, um, have him team with, uh, with Grady Jarrett. Now that, uh, now that Dontari Poe is gone, um, you know, you could potentially see a receiver, uh, Maryland's DJ Moore or, uh, you know, Christian Kirk, DJ Chark out of LSU vertical threat that could ultimately allow, uh, Muhammad Sanu to kick into, um, to to the slot, which I think would be a better fit for him. And then, uh, you know, I, I ultimately think that the the guy that they're going to pick up is James Washington on, on day two to allow them to take uh, Taven Bryan here in round one. You get the speedster on the outside. Um, I think he'll open up some things for, uh, for Julio Jones as well because he's going to stretch the defenses vertically. Uh, Taven Bryan, raw, but definitely explosive. Gets up the field. Doesn't really matter... You know what what's going on. This guy's always going to get up the field. You know he often would run by the the running game, and so he is he is kind of raw. He doesn't always have the best recognition on plays, um, but his mission is to get up the field and get to the quarterback in a hurry. And uh, you saw that quite a bit. You know, and um, you know if he can get into those those meeting rooms and really understand the game a little bit more, um, I, I think you got a player on your hands. So the Saints number twenty seven. 
A lot of people are looking at this as a potential landing point for DJ Moore out of Maryland, 44240. Um, potentially, a lot of people have him as their number two wideout. Um, you know, Michael Thomas, definitely a bona fide star. Ted Ginn, legitimate vertical threat, 32 years of age. Um, they lack some playmakers outside of that. You know, the running backs, Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, were the number two and number three receivers. Um, I think you can you can still get a, a good receiver later on in the draft. And the reason why I'm saying that is, you know, I'm looking for a tight end. You know, Drew Brees has really la- you know, missed having a tight end um, with the athleticism of, of Jimmy Graham. And I'm looking at Mike Gesicki and, and, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm looking at Mike Gesicki and his 41 and a half inch vertical leap is four five four forty, And I'm looking at it saying, you know, at this former basketball player and volleyball player, uh, and in high school, um, he reminds me a lot of Jimmy Graham. Um, you know, he has a, a huge catch radius, you know, really long arms, um, you know, 34 inch arms. Um, you know, he's somebody who can get vertical up the seam. You know, he's a red zone nightmare. And, uh, to me, you know, he, he may not be the, the top tight end in the draft, but I think this is the best fit for him. He won't be there, um, the next time the saints pick. So I, I think he would be a smart choice. Um, here in round one, number 28 overall are the Steelers. You know, they, they could go inside linebacker if one of those, uh, either Vander Esch or Evans were to fall. Um, outside chance that Mason Rudolph comes off the board here. I think they ultimately go safety. They go Justin Reed out of Stanford. Um, I think this makes a ton of sense um, looking at that safety position. Um, you know, he, he's someone who has the versatility to cover tight ends and running backs out of the backfield. Um, can also line up in the slot. He's aggressive. You know, he can take some chances, but uh, he's very reliable. Um, you know, I think he's somebody who can end up starting with uh, Morgan Burnett there at the safety position. Um, 29, here's another change to my first round mock. I have DJ Chark out of LSU coming off the board to the Jags. Um, I, I think the Jags have a lot of receivers um, that uh, are under, you know, right around the six foot range. Um, six foot, six one, you know, they're, they're very slight as well. Um, you know, Marquise Lee, Keelan Cole, DD Westbrook, they really lack that size to be a number one wide out. Um, you know, Dante Moncrief was brought in, but he still is lacking the production has yet to eclipse the 400 yard receiving mark in any of his four years. Um, so I think they have to go receiver here. Um, you know, especially because Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns are both gone. Um, and the, the reason why I've got DJ Chark penciled in here, he's a 6'3 wideout with 4'3, 4'0 speed, vertical threat, um, you know, tremendous hands. You know, he, he caught just 40 passes um, and, and scored just three touchdowns a season ago, but don't really look at those stats. LSU run heavy offense. Um, that had a lot to do with his low numbers, but he made the most of his opportunities. Average 21.9 yards per reception on those 40 passes that he did haul in. He's explosive on the outside, and I think he's one guy, uh, because of his his size as well, um, would give a, a vertical threat for Blake Bortles um, that he could throw to and have a, a go-to wideout. I think he'll be a better pro than he was a college player. Uh, the Vikings sitting there at number 30. You know they, they do need to address their offensive line, and I think Will Hernandez would give them you know that 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 uh, presence, you know the, the physicality and and just the the mean and uh, and nastiness started all 49 games in his four-year career. Uh, just a road grader, just very, very nasty. You know, I think he can go in, stri- uh, start right away, um, you know, be the first, you know, he'd make history for the, the UTEP minors, be the first uh, minor to be drafted in the first round. Um, you know, they could go corner. Um, you know, they, they may look at a, at a weapon on, on the offense, but uh, they got to address that offensive line. And uh, Will Hernandez, to me, makes the most sense. At, at 31, there are the Patriots again. If there's any inkling that Mason Rudolph may be coming off the board at the top of round two, this might be where Mason Rudolph goes. You know, you need to ultimately find somebody to replace Tom Brady. Um, you know, there was a lot of worried Patriot fans because Tom Brady hadn't committed to 2018. Um, but his agent confirmed that he will be back in 2018, um, as will uh, Rob Gronkowski. So, you know, there's a chance, though, that that 
this could be a tight end pick, um, you know, potentially uh, Dallas Goddard out of uh, South, uh, uh, South Dakota State. I think this is a possible landing spot for him as well. Um, but you have to replace Nate Solder. And, uh, you know, he was the last uh, offensive tackle, I believe, that uh, the Patriots took in the first round. Take Colton Miller. Uh, you know, I know that a lot of people are down on him because, you know, he's still raw and had some inconsistent tape. But he's 6'9", 309. Um, he's somebody who is very athletic, nimble, uh, very light on his feet. I think he gets overpowered at the point of attack. Um, but, you know, he, he's somebody who moves very well, very easy mover. Um, you know, and, and he was a workout warrior. You know, I think he has a potential to rise up some boards, you know, in the similar mold of, of Lane Johnson. Um, and, you know, if Colton Miller can get in and, and really get into a uh, – uh, an NFL weight program, you know, really gets, uh, you know, work on that trunk, um, if you will, that lower body strength, then, uh, you know, he's somebody that I think could end up molding, you know, Nate Solder was very much in the same mold as, uh, or uh, as Colton Miller and, uh, Nate Solder now, you know, is, uh, a respected offensive tackle there in the league. Um, you know, you've got the Eagles sitting at 32 and, uh, you know, what makes the most sense to me is now that Trey Burton is gone, you need another tight end. And uh, Dallas Goddard um, reminds me a lot of uh, you know, Travis Kelsey. I think they have similar numbers. Um, they, you know, their play speed looks looks the same. You know, they, they looked um, virtually identical at the combine, even though uh, Dallas Goddard didn't run the 40. Um, you know, you, you need to continue to surround Carson Wentz with weapons. And this guy, you know, he, he, um, led his team, you know, from the tight end position, you know, he was their leading receiver, you know, in, in receptions in yards. And I think he was number two in, in touchdowns, um, just a, a vertical threat. And, uh, you know, he can get aggressive and, and physical in, in the, in the running game as well as a blocker, but he's going to be a guy who's going to be asked to, to catch the ball. And if, uh, Carson Wentz has both tight ends, has both Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard to get the ball to, you know, then I, I think, you know, he's going to be a, a happy quarterback, you know, really some, some, some tremendous wideouts there on the outside um, to go with the, the tight ends up the seams. So there you have it. That's my first round. Um, kind of some of the things that I'm, I'm looking at and really taking a look at. If you go to ready for the um, you know, in, Rounds two and three, um, you know, I've made some changes um, to my second and third rounds, and I've really made a note of, of when I made any changes. If you see that there aren't any changes made, then that's really the same guy that I've had penciled in there all along. Um, there are a few changes in round two. As I'm scrolling through here, you know, I've already mentioned a few. Sony Michelle to the Browns. Um, Let's see, uh, Jerron Christian going to the Browns as well in round two. Um, Maurice Hurst potentially going to the Raiders. Um, let's see, Harrison Phillips, you know, coming off the board to the Skins if they don't get a, the D tackle, uh, the nose tackle there in, in round one. Some people aren't, aren't as impressed with Harrison Phillips, but, you know, he was a, a three-time um, heavyweight wrestling champ, um, you know, a state champ. Um, in high school, to me, he's got a lot more balance than people are trying to give him credit for. Um, Green Bay Packers at 45. I think, you know, I just flip-flopped Jair Alexander and Mike Hughes. They need a corner on the outside. Arizona, the Cardinals, that is another landing spot for, for Cortland Sutton. I think they continue to get uh, weapons for whoever's going to be playing quarterback. Uh, the Ravens, like I said, Christian Kirk can give them a vertical threat on the outside. Um Bills taking Austin Corbett, uh, the center uh, guard candidate there from from Nevada. You know, reminds me a lot of Joel Batonio. He can come in and replace Richie Incognito right away. Um, let's see, Carolina Panthers. I've got them taking Michael Gallup. It could be, um, you know, James Washington. They need another wide out there who has the potential to be a number one. Michael Gallup's probably more of a number two possession receiver. Um, but he, he's a guy who is just a reliable target. And I think that's really what, uh, what, what Cam Newton needs is some, um, some reliable targets right about now. So those are the only real changes to, 
uh, my second round. You know, and I've got a three round mock. Um, if we take a look at round number three, as we kind of scroll through here, um, I've got Orlando Brown going to Houston there in the third. Um, you know, Dwayne Brown um, you know, went to went to Seattle. You know, they've got uh, Julian Davenport on on one side. Derek Newton sat out the entire 2017 season, uh, recovering from two torn patellar tendons um, in October 2016. Um, so they need another tackle. And Orlando Brown, the mammoth one, um, comes off the board, I think, there to Houston. Um, you know, because... Again, offensive tackle, a major need there for them. Um, we continue to scroll through here. Let's see. Uh, like I said, Josie Jewell to Dallas. P.J. Hall I have coming off the board to the Lions. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I've got the Chargers uh, taking Brian O'Neill. Um, tackle out of Pittsburgh. Um, the former tight end. Excellent length. Good movement skills. Um, ran a 4-8-2-40 with a 1-7-10-yard you know, uh, split. Um, he needs to get stronger, but, uh, his athleticism is, is, is undeniable. You know, the athleticism, athleticism does remind me of, of Jake Fisher, um, who was a second round pick him out of Oregon, went to the Bengals. Um, but you know, he, he only had 11 starts to his credit, you know, so he's kind of underachieved as that second round pick. Um, Brian O'Neill to me, um, you know, he needs to be, you know, needs to get stronger. Um, but he is someone who has the versatility to place both left and right tackle, has some athleticism as well. Um, Carolina Panthers at 85. You know, Frank Ragnall out of, out of Arkansas. He's 6'5", 312 pounds. Um, talked about him a little bit. I think it was on episode three. Um, but, uh, you know, for me, he's a two-year starter at the pivot. Intelligent. Um, picks up blitzes and stunts very well. Um, does a good job, you know, with short... Works in uh, short areas very well. Uh, locks onto his defenders. I think he's he's someone who also has some versatility because he he did play guard uh, for the Razorbacks. Um, so I could see him um, taking over for Andrew Norwell right away, um, who moved on to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and uh, you know with Ryan Khalil, you know the center, um, you know declaring that 2018 was going to be his final season. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, Ragnall can slide over and, you know, that basically that continuity there. You've got another really intelligent center, uh, cerebral guy, a guy that really understands the game, you know, in the same mold as uh, Ryan Khalil. You know, I think that does make a ton of sense for Carolina. And Carolina could very well end up taking him in the second round. It wouldn't surprise me there. Let's see. Um, because I penciled in P.J. Hall uh, to the Lions, um, that bumped B.J. Hill down a bit. I think the Jaguars um, could be looking for a defensive tackle. They've got Malik Jackson. They've got Marcel Darius. But uh, they, they need some depth behind them. And I think B.J. Hill could offer that depth. Um, has decent burst off the ball. Shoots gaps. Gets into the backfield a little bit. Needs to work on that pad level, though, because he can get uh, stood up and driven back off the football. So looks like those were the only changes to my... Uh, my three-round mock. So I wanted to make sure that uh, you do uh, take a look at, at readyforthedraft.com. Please go check it out. Um, you know, I've neglected the website a little bit, but I have made sure to get that updated before the draft begins. Um, I am running out of time now, um, but I wanted to thank everybody for their support, um, for checking out um, all seven of the episodes of the Ready for the Draft podcast. Um, this is the first year of my podcast series. I wanted to go ahead and, and get this put together. Um, you know, I want to thank all of my my friends. Um, wanted to thank you know thank the the dogs for being my my co-pilots with this. Really want to thank my my wife Devereaux. Um, she's been uh, you know she she's been amazing. You know, being a, you know allowing me to to put all of this together um, and, and devote time to this. So you know, thank you. I love you. Um, you know, but, you know, tr support's been tremendous and uh, I hope everyone has really enjoyed the podcast as much as I've enjoyed putting it together for everyone, um, coming on, you know, and, and talking with everybody. Um, I've tried to put these podcasts together over the last couple of weeks, um, gearing up for the draft. So I hope that, uh, it's really helped you get ready for the draft. See what I did there. Um, and, uh, you know, expect a, a podcast here after the, the draft actually takes place 
and uh, you know break down some of the picks and really take a look at what we're dealing with. And then you know, don't forget you know about readyforthedraft.com and uh, ready for the draft podcast because we will be there. Uh, I'll have a monthly podcast that'll be launching and then uh, getting ready for that 2018 season. Um, but uh, please definitely enjoy um, enjoy the draft. Enjoy you know prime time tonight. Um, I can't wait. You know, Arlington, Texas, Jerry's world. Um, you know, and I think, you know, it, it's one of those drafts where people are going into it. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen at the top. You don't know what's going to happen in the middle. How many quarterbacks are going to be coming off the board? Um, you know, where are all the different quarterbacks going to be going? It, it's going to really be a, a fun draft to watch. Um, so, you know, I, I guess this is it for uh, you know, all the pre-draft work. Um, again, I want to thank you for, for tuning in and, uh, until next time, everyone, you know, take care, have a great day and I am out.